1: This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast with Greg Smith and Jay Foreman, exclusively on the Hurt App Media Network. Oh, yeah. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome in to the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. You're glad I bit the bullet yesterday and went to the grocery store uh, for an, even though it was a madhouse in there.
0: I am Jay Foreman. You're uh, snow blowing. Non kid having helping around the house, uh, co host.
1: So, do so we start with an early put them on blast? Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna put, we we, ever put somebody on blast, and it was your own kids.
0: Yeah, you got to. You got, well, these are just modern day kids. I'm even in the neighborhood, no, no kid out there shoveling snow. Now, I don't even want to make no five, ten bucks, but uh, they're gonna get out there today and get after it. So
1: it's actually kind of funny though, because it does seem like that that has gone away. Like that used to be a thing. Like I know when, I, when we were growing up, when I was a kid, we used to go around in the neighborhood and they would ask people if they wanted their shovel, their dro- driveway shoveled for five, ten bucks. See so if you could make a couple bucks. The snow going to go away at some point. You're not doing nothing else. You're on a snow day. Um, so kids now just don't want to do that, huh?
0: Nah, man. They're they, they so excited. They have a day off. It's fortnight and 2K and uh, whatever 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 else they're playing. So they 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 chilling, but not not in this house. They're getting out there and shoveling today.
1: So. <laughs> right, so yeah, we gotta make, make them get out there. I'm dreading having to go out there myself. Like I'm sure a lot of you listening, I'm out the time you listen to it on Tuesday later in the week. I mean, y'all already had to shovel a couple of times. Um, but I kind of want to start off with, okay, we watched those football games yesterday. Like, and they were two, I thought two good games, especially that first one even though, you know, it ended, I guess, with a, with some controversy with that pass interference call with the, with, uh, the Packers and the Bucks. Um, But at, where we're going to start is we always have our segment, Coach Speak, where we kind of talk about um, something that somebody said, and then we tell you the real talk behind what happened. Coach Speak to real talk. And this week, um, it comes courtesy of Aaron Rodgers, who after that game, I don't know if it was just the frustration or what, was not sounding like a man who knew he was going to be back in Green Bay. He said, and I quote, a lot of guys' futures, they're uncertain, myself included. And then he went on to thank the writers, to thank teammates. Um, He was just kind of somber and down. He also said, by the way, that it was not his decision uh, to kick that field goal late in that game. Uh, So, Jay, what did all of that mean from uh, the man that I affectionately call RoboQB?
0: Well, I mean, look... they drafted a guy last year. Uh they they still never have drafted him any, any help. In the situation on the reverse now, you I think he was drafted with with uh, you know Brett Farr still there. They drafted Jordan Love, even though he was a 26 pick uh last year. You know they that's their long-term future, and that's who they want to play. And um I'm sure Rogers is is gonna try to um you know bring them the task because he's probably most likely gonna be the MVP. He's under contract for a couple more years, but the best way to get them to make a decision and a betterment, betterment for his career and commit to him is ask for more money. Um, and because he has all the bargaining power. Um, and so you, you look every year, here's what people don't understand about the NFL. You could, you could, even, like Kansas city going to back-to-back super bowls and they could have the same exact team, but it's still a different team. Every year it's a different team. It's a different dynamics. It's a different season. So he's been through this before, and uh, he knows no matter what, um, there's no guarantee that he's going to be back. He sees the writing on the wall. Eventually, he's going to be gone, and he knows Lafleur wanted to draft this guy. And so, it, it, even though they, they were like, he was a good soldier and made it, and, and they both you know success kind of lets everything you know be water under, underneath the bridge. He's not stupid in the, in the fact that not knowing that um, they are presently and have been looking to replace him. He is not the future. He is a little, he's 37 years old. He knows he, he can, you know, he probably could play eight more years, but does he want to? And i also think that he knows that they had a special season this year. He knows the internal workings of the team. And he knows that other teams are, even though that they got to the NFC championship, other teams are, are as good as them. And next year they won't probably be as good. So he wants to be in a situation where he can win. And he knows that there's opportunities out there just imagine Aaron Rodgers with uh, New Orleans or, um, you know, somebody like that, that actually, you know, is going to surround him with weapons. I mean, just imagine Aaron Rodgers going down to New Orleans for a two year deal and being in a winning organization with a coach that has experience, that's not going to kick a field goal uh, when you have the best player in the league. Um, And those, that's where the frustration comes from. And he also knows there's there's a, there's a lot of free agency on that team and green Bay, um, you know, has you know financial commitments to a, a quarterback that's a project, but it's still he's a he's a you know he's, he's there on the roster and he's a first round pick, so he is uh you know looking both in the immediate future and the long term future, and also I think he's uh you know willing to go other places as well. I mean, he heck, if just think if he went out of San Francisco, uh and, and 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 was out there where he's always wanted to play, so uh. You know, it's, it's, he's, he's a very uh, deep thinker. He's, he's a, a smart guy, um, but he also know he's a realist as well. So he's he's for forecasting uh, things that might be coming down in the in offseason, uh, both in the short term around the draft and then also maybe before the season starts or if they get through one more year. Uh, he knows he only probably has one more year at most in Green Bay and why uh, play one more year when you can get started somewhere else. Yeah, and I think
1: that there's a couple, to me, a a couple things that I thought that you hit on that people missed um, initially. Because I felt like, and I thought I ended up having, because, you know, rivals with the Bears, and I have a couple Packer friends, uh, Packer fan friends. So I kept seeing, like, these tweets from different fans or either Packer media saying that, oh, Aaron, you can't say stuff like that. Like, don't start, don't talk about quitting on this team and this and that. And I'm like, man, this dude has been the best quarterback in the league for years now and has given this franchise a lot and they continue to not put enough around him and they got a, maybe a little bit more now, but it's still not been to what you would think. It's not, you know, what the chiefs went out of their way to do for Patrick Mahomes. Right. Um, it's, it's just different. And so I think that that's a key, but I also do think that people glossed over an immediate reaction yesterday um, to what he said about them drafting um, the quarterback last year and how Rodgers has to look at that and know, listen, If we have these free agents that are coming up this year who are also, you know, some of my best weapons, they may choose to bring those guys back and try to get rid of me anyway, because they have the guy here that they think is the future. So maybe he's just getting ahead of the curve, right? Like you said, he's a smart guy. He's always been a guy um, that's thought a little bit differently about the game. But the other, I think, key thing to me is I wonder if he didn't also see the guy who beat him across the field, Tom Brady, switch teams after being a legend in New England the same way that he's a legend in Green Bay and then have immediate success with getting into a good situation and think okay, well, that could be me next year. Like, I could do that. I could do that. So maybe I go up to New England if, if they can re- rework things up there. I can go down to New Orleans. If you look, like, half the teams in the league right now, it feels like need quarterbacks right now. And so there's all sorts of opportunities uh, for him to move on if, if that's what they end up doing. Um, but I didn't, I didn't think that it was so outrageous what he said and that I didn't, I didn't like the reaction of like, Oh, he's quitting on them or laying the groundwork to quit on them or anything like that. I thought But I feel like that happens to players, especially great players all the time.
0: Right. And, and look, if anybody quit on anybody, they quit on him. You know, for how many years has he wanted more weapons on offense? Right. Yes, they got Adams, but you know they haven't drafted a receiver for him. And this was a year to draft a receiver for him. Right. And they draft a quarterback. They went and drafted a quarterback. That's a project that is that you could get a guy this year, right? You know, you get the you can even get a guy from North Dakota State this year, you, you know, or you could get you know one little pipsqueak from BYU, right? This right. year, the same type of quarterback. You didn't even draft a guy on defense when your defense got obliterated by the San, San Francisco still running the ball on you guys in the NFC championship last year. You get what I'm saying? And then you didn't even sure. draft them offensive help. You have the best quarterback in the league still in his prime, uh, very durable. And you draft somebody to, to be his eventual, you know, replacement. And that's the first thing you do as a head coach. And so, he sees the writing on the wall. Um, he's been through it before. He's seen he's seen Tom Burr. Um, he's seen other guys go other places and be successful. He's probably maybe yearning for something different. Even though him and LaFleur have gotten, you know, you know, along, you know, the relationship isn't Trump type because the first thing he does, he wants to come in and have Aaron Rodgers, you know, because remember the first year he kind of handicapped what he could do at the line of scrimmage. Right. Offense wasn't suited for him. Aaron Rodgers kind of struggled. And then he finally, you know, then he loosened up a little bit. Then he has an MVP year. But he knows in the back of his mind that LaFleur wants a different quarterback. And I'm also going to say this. Does LaFleur really know what a quarterback is? Because you had Ryan Tannehill. You know what I mean? In Tennessee. And you had Marcus Mariota before that. Now you got him. So maybe you don't know how to coach. And it's really, really hard. It is what people don't understand. Coaching Hall of Fame players is a hard job to do because they need to be pushed and coached every single day, mentally, physically, and spiritually, because they're so far advanced. And if you're not pushing them and, and you try to just say, Hey, we're going to just run, you know, this type of system with one check, you're, you're not going to get the most out of them. And so uh, I will say this before, and those guys adjusted a little bit, but you can just see there's still some, some scorned relationship there um, that Roger's probably trying to get away from in the last like four or five years of his career.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think that I doesn't like that's what I said. I don't I don't blame Aaron for wanting to if he does want to be out or if he thinks it right on the wall, I don't blame him. But uh, we do switch gears quick to, to your Buffalo Bills. Um, they took that loss uh, to the Chiefs this weekend. And I guess so. just real quick, like, what? because I want to make sure we hit on this. Like, what were your kind of takeaways on that game and just kind of. The Chiefs, to me, just feel like a machine right now. I feel like they're going to win the Super Bowl. It's tough to count Brady out. And I know that Tampa defense is really good. But I just feel like we really are like a D4 bad offside penalty a couple years back from the Chiefs looking at a 3 P right here.
0: Right, yeah. Um,
1: I feel like we're just on our way here.
0: Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, <laughs> the the Chiefs are are more a machine. They're well-coached. They, you know, they have – Right now they got the young guys, uh, you know, with the, the salary cap and guys haven't, you know, got their big contracts and one to, you know, go on to bigger and better things. And they got the, you know, second best quarterback or the best quarterback in the league with the best head coach, with the best offensive coordinator, with the young enough defense that makes enough plays. And so I think that, you know, the, the betting advantage is obviously on the, the Chiefs. Uh, but as far as my bills, I think it's just another step in the right direction. I think that uh, Josh Allen, I think he's, he learned from, uh, you know, losing to Deshaun Watson, you know, a year before. I yeah. think that he, he, he learned from that and he came back and played excellent this year. I think that he also uh, is going to learn from this loss. I think he's going to come back and be even better next year. I think Buffalo is a team that's going to be around. I think they have a good GM uh good structure. I like McDermott as a coach, inexperience, which you saw a little bit yesterday. Um, but and then they got a tough defense that needs a little bit more youth with, through the draft to kind of cause they 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 can't put as much money into the defense. They got to obviously you got with Diggs and Allen's gonna probably get paid. Yes. Um I'd like to see them improve the offensive line a little bit a tight end and a true number two receiver. And I put a little bit more of a bell cow as a running back, which they can do through free agency or, or, you know, getting it on a draft, a guy that you can depend on to take the air out of the ball against Kansas city. Um, so, you know, I think Buffalo played well. Um, I think that they missed opportunities when they got in the red zone, which you can't do against Kansas city. Yeah. And I think they got out of their sorts defensively and didn't adjust And um, Kansas city destroyed them in the middle of the field. So, you know, when that happens, um, you know, it's just one of those things that you, once they get rolling, you know, they're, they're hard to deal with. And, uh, you know, Kansas City was the better team. It was a tall order for Buffalo. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl because I think that uh, Brady knows how to um, beat teams like this and play small ball. The only thing that's going to hurt Tampa is Bruce Arians trying to be, you know, no no biscuit, no risk it, and, and try to, <laughs> right. you know, meet, match him play for play. So if he can stay out of his own way, uh, I definitely think uh, Tampa has the defensive personnel to match up with um with the kansas city chiefs you know not man-to-man but you know they got speed and quickness at the second level playmaking ability and tackling ability uh at the third level and a defensive line that can get after the quarterback and get him off a spot so uh it's, it's all right there
1: yeah i think that i would give i would give tampa a puncher's chance here i don't like i said on top i i don't i don't i would never count out Um, the guy that you know we most all of us consider the greatest quarterback of all time. Like I would not count him out. And I really like that defense at Tampa. Um, it's just it's just tough to see somebody really slowing down that Chiefs teams. There's just so many weapons. Um, and they're so locked in, and they really are in the perfect situation where they have a couple of guys like Mahomes is on that big deal. Um, but they are, they are in the, that sweet spot where they've drafted well and they've got guys on those rookie deals with enough guys that are on that are veterans that are on big deals. Um, and so Kansas City needs to enjoy this. The Kansas City fans need to enjoy this while it lasts because it will not be like this forever. It never is. But you trust in Andy Reid and, and the rest of that organization that they can continue to find guys um, to surround Pat- Patrick Mahomes with because that. That'll be the key moving forward. But as of now, um, they're in a nice little sweet spot. Um, So one of the things that kind of happened, and I don't know how much we'll dive into Husker talk during the offseason, but there is something that popped up uh, here over the last week. Um, and, it, and it's still kind of bubbling. And I, I, I want to talk about this because it's just, I don't, I want to say baffling is the first word that comes to mind. Um, so Scott Frost this week, I guess, talked to a couple of the two major papers in the state, kind of sat down with them for an hour, kind of cherry picked them to do this little sit down with. And amongst many things that he actually said, one thing I, I want to talk specifically about let's break that down. He said that he wants to, he believes right now that he'll stand pat with the 10 assistants that he has right now and go the special teams analyst route again for to kind of fix the special teams and that they just need to get the right guy and, and get player buy-in um, and they'll be okay at that spot. And so, uh, first of all, I, I, I'm going, like, not even second guess. I'm going to first guess that. And I tell you right now, and I've written this, so I have no problem saying that. I think it's the wrong decision. Um, I think that they need to place an emphasis on special teams. And step one is to hire somebody to do that. Now I understand that you can't just make a position out of thin air and that you would need to do some sort of shuffling um, with the staff. And not that I'm advocating for someone to be let go, but I would also say that when you've won 12 games in three years, you can't just look people in the face and say, we don't need to make any changes. So I guess I, I do have a question for you, Jay, is that is it, like during your career, did you have dedicated special teams Could did y'all have dedicated special teams coach here when you played here and then do you think it's a significant advantage to have that setup or does nebraska need that setup
0: um I, everybody special teams uh as far as the coaching staff and it's just everybody had like dan young was was the kicking coach um you know so field goal field goal block you know obviously then coach mcbride would be over the defense line and 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 uh, Kevin Steele and and uh, Craig Ball uh, and Tony Samuel would be you know on the return units, and so everybody pitched in. So we didn't have a special teams coach. Everybody it was involved in. It. Coach Osborne was as well as far as the return game. Um, so I think maybe Scott's taking that type of approach. With the, I guess an analyst can do it and do a lot of the legwork during the week. Um, so I, I see his point because. You know, it's worked before, and I think a lot of teams do that. So it, 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 I'm, I agree with his route of maybe going to analyst, but then also I'm, I'm going to put more onus on the coaches uh, from every position group to be involved in it. You know, uh, you know with, whether it's, you know, Barrett Rude, the linebackers, you guys, you know, hey, if you're not starting, dude, you better be our best coverage, you know, coverage guys on our units or blocking guys on, on return units. Uh, our safeties are, you know, and, you know, Pola Gates, whether it's, you know, Jevin Wright or all these other guys, right. Newsom or whoever's not starting, you better be the best gunners out there and you better be some guys that can, you know, hold force on kickoff or or kickoff teams and not let guys, you know, run up the sideline for 89 yards or touchdowns like against Rutgers, right. That gives you more speed accountability and it builds some depth on your team. Um, So, and then you got your linemen, offensive, defensive line, you know, that's what you're doing. And so that's where, you know, the, you know, Austin and those guys are, you know, they need Everybody needs to, you know, pull more weight on special teams. And um, the analyst has got to come up with the the schemes and, you know, obviously the drills during the week, but the coaches, this isn't the time for the coaches to go, go get water and drink Gatorade, you know, when, when special teams is going. And I'm saying not saying that's happening, uh, but that's what I think his approach is. I, I like that approach. Uh, I think Scott's going to take more of an emphasis on it. Um, I think hopefully, you know, if he's going to get involved in it, it might, like rejuvenate. I wouldn't say he's a, he's not rejuvenate him, but you know, when you you get to do something and then you can add some spice to it um, and turn it around. And this is the thing about special teams. If you change the mindset and change the accountability level, it, it can t- literally turn around in a week and your special teams will be an asset. So um, it's not like you got to go in and change a whole bunch of schemes and stuff like that. You got to find some guys that want to be good on special teams, be a part of the team, make special teams special. And listen here, if, if you are a player if I'm a running back or a receiver and I'm thinking about going to the league, you better be able to return kicks and you better be dangerous um, because that's how you provide more value. And so, um, you know, you got to get kids to see, you know, you know, through, you know, through the forest or the trees or whatever. Um, And and it it starts with accountability and it starts with diving in there. And I think with Scott taking uh, more of an emphasis on it and and be more, you know, involved that these guys know that they got to take it more serious and they better be, uh, uh involved in it and, and be given hundred percent because if the head coach is involved and you're lally gagging and you're not pulling your weight on a special team you ain't gonna be able to go in his office and take, say you need more playing time
1: <laughs> right and, that goes away, and,
0: and so that goes away so I think it's gonna be um you know a positive and and on top of um adding more responsibility for the coaches that are all coming back and, and one of the things I would say this that you know the good thing you know he didn't come back and these guys then get, you know, I guess, pay raises, right. i never want to, you know, I'm never counting anybody else's money, but look, yeah, you're coming back. There's no pay raises. You got to earn it. And not only do you got to earn it, you got to uh, do more and that's being more involved on special teams. I like it. You know, I like that. They got to do more um, along with, uh, I guess you get job security coming back, but you know, let's be honest, you you know, you guys aren't, you know, having the best record, but you know what? I want more and you're going to do more. So I kind of like that, that type of approach. Um, especially in this time. And also I will say this by him, not, you know, removing guys from the, from the staff and, you know, pulling the plug on them. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big uh, proponent of you hire the coach, you let him pick his guys and he's held accountable for those guys and he believes in them. So, you know, these guys are going to sink and swim together. So I, I like that. I, you know, yes, you know, um their <laughs> their record and what they've done right now yeah you, you very easily could pass yeah you, I, I made a couple changes but also for the same token uh, they got a built-in excuse with covid um and uh unique year so um uh, you know they're kind of playing with a little bit of house money not having to make that decision if it was a year we had full fans in a, a full off season uh without covid restrictions x y and z um I'm I'm saying I'm assuming that the pressure would be a little bit, a little bit more heightened to uh, remove a a coach or two from the coaching staff.
1: You know, what's interesting, though, too, is that the one thing and I should have said this. The the thing the one thing, though, that I do like about this and I'm kind of in agreement with you here is that I do like the idea of betting on yourself and betting on the people that you've selected right there there is something to that and it's funny because it kind of also good like aaron Rodgers in a way is going to be betting on himself should he leave but that ends up kind of being a little bit of the theme of the show but like scott frost saying that basically like hey these now he said this without saying it that these are essentially my guys i know that these guys know what they're doing i know what i'm doing um we're gonna kind of double down on this like there is something to respect about that um it, it, and so you end up being, but if, if that works, and let's say they go out this year. And you know, special teams is is average. Like it's passable. It does not cost them games. Doesn't actively cost them games. Which I think is the first step before you can get to the special teams being special and being a game changer. I think that they need to get to where you know that really and honestly, it just needs to be need to stop giving up you know kickoff returns or punt returns or touchdowns, right? Um, Because field goal kicking was very good last year. Um, They got to figure out the actual punting situation, which you know they did have a fluky situation where the Australian punter Daniel Churney that they brought brought in gets hurt um, in practice which just like the weird snake bitten things that continue to happen to this program are just crazy um, but that just never happens to teams and it seems like it always happens to nebraska but if you can get that straightened out Culp is coming back so you feel like your field goal kicking and extra point should be very good still got to figure out the kickoff situation what kind of can you Consistent with your directional kicks, all of that. But if you can just get to the spot where it's not costing you games, they can be okay. I don't think the special team situation is what's going to ultimately be the judge of Scott Frost's success here. I, I think it's right. a part of it, but like ultimately, like if the like I still think if, if Nebraska goes out this coming season, twenty twenty one season, and they become a thirty five to thirty eight point per game team that's going to be the big jump that they need to make right now. That's almost a couple touchdown jump from where they were this year, but we could go down the list of why or why not that actually happened. We could talk about the youth and the inconsistency and all of that. Um, But still, the offense is what they were brought here for, so they've got to get that figured out. I still think that that, to me, is the biggest thing. Um, And even within the offense, Frost is kind of betting on himself by saying that he wants to work more closely with Adrian Martinez and that he thinks that he needs to work with him more on kind of the intangibles um, with the game, kind of the instinctual things that he needs to do within games, which I do actually think is also true. Like, I I don't disagree with him at all of that because it does seem like sometimes Adrian is either he's out there and in full control and it's going, you know, hundred miles per hour and is really engaged and going. And there's sometimes where it just feels like he's kind of, you know, skittish or kind of hesitant. So I do think that he needs that, that hands-on thing. And I do think that it's a good sign for Adrian in a way that the quarter, that the coach head coach still wants to work with you in that way. Um, but overall, I, I mean, he's going to see Scott Ross is going to sink or swim with what he wants to do. And it's either going to be a, a huge success with that great turnaround and would be a tremendous story if it gets turned around or it won't. And we will know exactly where the blame is to be placed.
0: Right. And that's the, I mean, that's what you want as a head coach. I mean, you want right. some, you know, somebody to take responsibility and uh, put, put all the chips in on himself and, uh, and if you you know, look, if you you can't question whether he believes in the coaching staff or not as well, you know what I'm saying. And so you don't look. Nobody wants to coach uh, to be coached or to coach with a guy that doesn't believe in you. And yes, it, it's been a struggle, and it's been uh, you know a hard go at it. They they haven't lived up to expectations. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, if he's believing in what he what he what he believes in. He, he trusts with the process that he wants to go through. He also thinks that, uh, you know, they're closer than a lot than, you know, than we are seeing. So I also, so I think that's a good thing as well because um, he he's, he's in there every day, right. He's in there a lot, you know, obviously, you know, around the players and around the situation um, more than we are. And he knows the day in and day out what they, and and, and he's seeing the closeness or thinks he's seeing the closeness. So, um, pulling the plug wouldn't be uh, the best thing to do. And also, look, he also has to have a, you know, a good dose of reality where he's like, hey, look, I got to do better. But, you know, I believe in these guys. They've got there. He's, a, you know, Scott, If you know, Scott, he's big on loyalty with his coaching staff and stuff like that. Um, he wants his players to be loyal. I think that also I will say this. Um, some of the things that have been holding them back um, on the field, you know probably haven't been magnified to the extent that it needs to be right when you just think of like and this is not making excuses this is just being in, in you know serious here when you had when you have and this is even before Scott even got here or was even maybe even in coaching it's been 15 20 year process of people coming in to the University of Nebraska and chipping away from what made Nebraska Great, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I'm laughing about this, but you know what the saying. But and when and when you have a conscious effort of doing that, it 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 shows up on the field, obviously, but it's also in internal workings, and then also it changes changes the atmosphere. Right, it changes the atmosphere from Nebraska being dominant or legitimate in every single sport. Right, back say like when I was playing. Gymnastics, basketball, women basketball, volleyball, football, track and field, bowling, right? Constantly. Every single sport. Kind of like Alabama right now. Softball as well when Nebraska's here and, I, and baseball to kind of be an average. And then, then then that's the average. Then average becomes okay. Then average effort becomes okay. Then average recruiting becomes okay. Average players become okay. Then average leadership became, becomes okay when we don't have leadership. Then we said, you know what, we're just going to go and try to magnify one player or two players a year and then uh, not have any leadership. Yeah, it worked because we were, you know, well-coached and Bo Pelini was able to win nine games, but ultimately did it set us up for the future? Then here comes Mike Riley, right? That nice Mike, not really here, not really invested. And you spend three or four years of doing the same thing and not improving. You actually get worse. Then you get Scott coming in here trying to, really build a program with no leadership, no work ethic. And you got to go through the minutia of two years of trying to build a team all the while not even being able to handle it physically for a Big Ten as the Big Ten starts to ascend, right? So Nebraska starts – Nebraska not only plateaued in the Big Ten, started to dip, and then you saw teams like the Iowas, Wisconsins, uh, Purdue, Northwesterns and say, you know, Penn States and all, they started to ascend and started to ascend at a rapid pace, right? They, they, every spring they were getting better. Every season they were getting better. The Indiana, right. They started to really, they were really taking off and we were staying the same. And so the separation and the gap became even bigger. And it wasn't based on the two years or, you know, prior to this year that they they were there. It's the three or four years prior that the gap started to, not only close on us, then we got surpassed. And so, um, those are the things that, uh, you had to deal with, but the pressure's on right now. Um, and, you know, Moose is saying stuff that, you know, he expects us to be a contender. And, uh, I think that when, when you got the AD to saying that, I think it's the only thing that he's looking for is special circumstances that we're not contending injuries and stuff like that. So, uh, it's a, you know, it's a big year. And I think that it's good that Scott's up to the challenge, you know, he's not, you know, um, uh, running away from being a competitive situation or the challenge of doing better. And that's what you want as a head coach. You can't, as a coach or a leader, you can't say, look, I want more from you guys and I'm not willing to do more. So, you know, he's, 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 he's as much as he's asking from the players and hopefully demanding from the players um, he's demanding and getting from himself and the coaching staff.
1: And that actually, I think that's a really key point though, because I, I, do think that it should we know that it should not necessarily work this way but it's human nature too when the players see that the coaches are invested that signals to them that they need to take their level up a notch right like and i know that it shouldn't like we we sit back and you can observe from the outside and say oh the players should know that they need to be at bringing their a game every day um but that stuff can kind of seep in if you don't believe that your coaches are fully in and i'm not saying that these coaches were not i'm just saying when you see them have that fire under them and they are rejuvenated and they're ready to really roll. I think that will signal something to the players as well. So it just becomes, it makes it a really, really interesting season. Um, And it will be fascinating to see kind of how it goes for them because it's not even after all of this and all of that um, and the different issues and the minutia of what's going wrong, like they still have an opportunity to be better. Like I don't think that they are so far off that they should just be like last in the division and you know, oh, we got we're resigned to our fate. Like I don't think that's the case. And that's why I think Moose says, and he's starting to change his tune a little bit on kind of expectations about okay, we're we're going into year four now. We need to be competitive um, in our division because that's the the other thing is, is as we lay out kind of Iowa, Wisconsin, as they kind of ascend and like Minnesota has been kind of in the same boat, for lack of a better phrase for them, um, where they've taken their their upswing as well. And some others like it's not like that gap is so huge. Right. That if it or northwestern like is whereas Nebraska is getting blown out by all of them, like you would think that if they can win in the margins a little bit more, so whether it's special teams or really, actually, to me, if it was one thing that I could really pick, it would be turnovers um, is where they really need to do better at so that they can maximize the amount of possessions that they have on offense. Um, And that would actually, that could easily increase your points per game. Right. Um, But if you can start to clean that stuff up, then you can be even more competitive in this division, and I think that that's all people are really looking for. It's just that now you're starting to get to the point to where you have a body of work of that not happening. And as a fan, I understand I understand are fans, and they say this to me now all the time, is why should we expect anything different? Um, especially with the turnovers and the sloppy play and that sort of thing going into year four. And you just have to kind of hope that it flips because Frost is now saying that he's doubling down um, and that the players are going to get more locked in and they'll have more of a traditional offseason. Um, but I mean, like I said before, we're going to know. Like, it's, it's not like, you know, it's going to be a mystery as to how this ends up and how we need to judge this thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, you're going to find out here pretty quick. And,
1: uh, um, you'll know, and you'll also know pretty quick because, you know, I hate schedule talk, but you will also know, uh, because of the way that schedule sets up, there are no real like give outside of that. What one late game season against, uh, I forget who it is even against, um, that you, you have that. Cause even with starting out against Illinois, like you were like, Oh yeah, the Illinois game is a winnable game. It's a winnable game, but they beat you last year. Right. So like, I mean, they start off. I'm just, I mean, it's Illinois Buffalo at Oklahoma at Michigan state, Ohio state, Northwestern. Right. Like, it, the first six games. Like that's how we, are going to know right from the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah. And that's what you want. You want a good challenge. You, you, you got to, and, and, and you got the, you know, as much as it's saying, you got the opportunity and the tools to go out there and actually start the season off with a bang, right? You know, you'd like to think, okay, we'll beat Illinois, right? You'd like to think that we could beat Michigan State. Oklahoma, tall order. Uh, Buffalo, we should be able to beat them. Um, but and the thing is, we got an experienced quarterback or and quarterbacks back. You'd like to think the offensive line should be better. There's no excuses for the offensive line right now.
1: No, okay? there really isn't. No.
0: Okay. So then ultimately, if the off, off, offense and defensive line are, are your assets, right? Depth, okay, and playmaking, right? Yep. The unit of the offensive line, defensive line, right? You got young guys, missed with some older guys. Okay. So you got depth there. It's not like you only got three starters on that three, four. You got guys that have played. You got five guys that are you know that I can think of, and so when you got that set up, now you now the the the, the talent gap, if there's one, is starting to let you know is starting to close. You know what I'm saying? Because we should be able to control the line, line of scrimmage. Ultimately, now it goes into the running back room. You got I wouldn't say a veteran offensive line, but you got an experienced offensive line that has p- potential and should be better, right? um depth wise as well so that if there's any injuries you you've got guys that can slide in different places and you could do different things right and the cohesiveness should be even better so that means running backs the learning curve and the ability to step in and be successful and the holes should be better is there then that means the quarterback should play better now the onus is going to be on the receivers we have to have guys that are going to be threats and also um you know, that get the opportunity. So you're thinking bets, you think thinking Brown, um, and you're thinking anybody else that comes up as a young guy. Or A,
1: you need Manning to kind Manning. of come yeah, Well, yeah, we, yeah Omar X Manning,
0: factor. the head that, factor. That's going to be the
1: factor for the season.
0: Right. If Omar Manning can come in, and look, for you people out there that think Omar Manning is going to take a year off of football and come in, and that, and that very well could and be all Big Ten. that That'd be if, if Omar Manning is all Big Ten next year, Nebraska's in the Big Ten championship, and probably going to a New Year's Day bowl.
1: Okay? Yeah, that, so that, means, happens, that, he that one
0: means he had <laughs> one hell of a season. But if he can come in and give you three or four hundred yards and say four or five touchdowns, that's 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 a great start. And and then you know then you expect in the next year, which would be the following year, that he's able to double that. And so um, that's what Nebraska needs. And if they can get those things going, and these that should be the expectation. Then what Moose is saying should be right because ultimately if your offensive line and defensive line is is playing up to their potential, the turnovers and everything should be, be lower. That means your third down percentage should be better. That means your red zone should be better. That means your defense won't be on the play on the field for 90 plays and get exposed and get, you know, worn out. And then therefore you're able to control the clock and you're able to be explosive. And then if you bring in, you're not bringing in, if don't plays and all that stuff, then you'll be fine. So it's, it's, it's there for the picking, but guys, it's going to be a long offseason, and, and they got to go about it and, and approach it the right way. And ultimately, special teams is part of it. But um, the, the, the success and um, the I guess the success of the football program and what you know your judge of Scott moving forward is going to come down to this offense. That's what it's going to come down to. That's what he's brought in here for. The he, he's known for and it's going to come down to the offense and it's going to come down to these guys actually playing and being good enough to uh, be a threat in the big 10 and score some points. And that's what, I mean, that's, it's not going to be, you know, we can't have an offense or a defense out there that, you know, we score 45 and give up 44. But what what I'm saying is this offense has got to be consistent year in and year out, regardless of who's, you know, the talent or uh, who's hurt or who's not because um, schematic wise and, 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 and paycheck wise, Uh, We have got to be able to uh, be a little bit more explosive and more consistent to do uh, what we want to do in the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think that that'll be kind of the dominant storyline um, of the off season, um, and now every week we end the show with our favorite segment called "Put Them On Blast." Put them on blast, uh, where we basically put somebody on blast for something that they did or said. Uh, and today, I'm gonna go with with I guess a Laker legend, you know, because I say I guess because I've never really been a huge Shaq guy, uh, but Shaq is is the guy that I'm putting on blast because he said this uh, in an interview after the Jazz won 129 uh, 118 over the Pelicans back on Thursday he said to Donovan Mitchell, uh, hey, this is Shaq. I said, tonight you were one of my favorite players, but you don't have what it takes to get to the next level. I said that on purpose. I wanted you to hear it. What do you have to say about that?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and so, and so, Donovan Mitchell, all he said back was, all right. Um, and so, we, got, Shaq, what are we doing? Like, I don't understand Why? And this has been a consistent thing. Like, this is not like Shaq just decided that he was going to pick on Donovan Mitchell and that was going to be the guy. He does this with everybody. He really hates any big man. He's done it with Rudy Gobert, um, Donovan Mitchell's teammate. Um, Any big man in the league that gets a little bit of notoriety or fame, Shaq wants to take shots at. Um, I don't understand why or when Shaq decided that he was going to be, like, the king of haters um, out here. Like, I just don't get, like, his angle here like what was donovan mitchell supposed to say to that
0: right right like, yeah was, I don't like
1: that. what was supposed to, what was the response that shaq wanted him to say um because like like am i supposed to say okay man I'm never gonna be a, a superstar like thank you like
0: yeah was, I, I don't i i i think shaq was trying to and he said it a little bit he's like he he said it he's he said if you also he said he said it on purpose to try to motivate him right yeah but the the delivery was horrible, and yeah. it, did, it wasn't even genuine, like, hey, yeah, yeah, I hope you heard that I told you that your game was you, you know your game was never going to be a superstar level, but um you had a good game tonight, keep it up like, <laughs> right well okay well he's like okay, he's like I've been hearing that since high school, and he's and he's exceeded expectations I think that
1: he really has yeah
0: it, and I think what Shaq was saying is, and they did get into it a little bit with Utah if he's not playing so good that they, they just are non-factor and yes Shaq was well, any big guy whether it's Dwight Howard he's had a feud with Dwight Howard he was mad at Dwight Howard that Dwight Howard was excited that he won an or won an NBA championship with the Lakers you know and, he, and Dwight Howard has turned around a late career from being a, a, an a-hole horrible teammate to being you know a very humble super or former superstar to play a role, role. Yep. And, and play a huge role and and not play some games and be okay with it and want an NBA champion. I mean, you got. I, I would think that Shaq would be, you know, more respectful of that. I think he's still mad because Dwight Howard was Superman and Shaq was supposed to be the. Superman, yeah, that started right?
1: all of that, right? And that his, started in that. his city in Orlando, and, then and in like, Orlando, in and
0: With Shaq left for you know, <laughs> Shaq decided to leave. You know, he has. I call it revisionist history of the best, the best kind. He you only really remember does. the what, what you what you really want to remember. Um, you know, whether it's JaVel McGee or it's, you know, Rudy Gobert, you know, his big thing now is if you can average, you know, 12 points and 11 rebounds, you can get $200 million, you know, and, and what he's saying, and I get what he's saying. A lot of average guys are getting paid, um, but it just comes off as the old, old guy, get off my lawn and, and Shaq, he, you know, he, he's like almost one of those superstars that yeah, I wouldn't say he's been forgotten about. And he's not looked at as, as dominant as like, I think that part of Shaq's issue is when people think of the Lakers, when they were winning those things and Shaq was the best player on in the, in the, in the world. Then, okay. He was the most dominant force. yeah And without him, the Lakers weren't winning championships, but it's all about Kobe. You know what I'm saying? And, and Kobe won some without him and he, he got ran out of town so I think a little bit of that is 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 on his mind and and, and you know the way he you know goes about things. Um, and I think his delivery is definitely you know he has a, he's been ha- he has, he's been drinking a full gallon of Haterade. Um, but then also there's there's some truth in what he's saying is until Donovan Mitchell takes his game to the next level, you'll just be a guy. You'll just be one of those guys.
1: Yeah, just another and, stat stuffer. It's another
0: another stat stuffer. And and that's just the way and that's also Utah and surrounding him with better players but I think that Shaq also should be more respectful to a guy that's kind of came in under the radar coming out of Louisville right wasn't I don't even think he averaged 20 points in college comes into the league starts to take off playing in Utah uh playing with a bunch of average players you know with Quinn schneider as the head coach um has worked his way up I think is the way he could have delivered is a little bit better um but you know you know Shaq is Shaq and you know, he, he has that big personality. And, and when you have, you know, all those rings, like he always tells Barkley, he's got more, he's, he's got a PhD in, in championships. And then when he does, uh, you can't really say much after that.
1: Yeah, it's really funny too. I also think the thing with Shaq too is that I, I feel like more than maybe any other like former, like big guy superstar, Shaq seems to take it personally that the NBA has changed away from the dominant big guy. Right. Like I always get the sense that he just hates that deep down. Like he just is not like that. And so he thinks that all big guys at, that are playing in this era aren't very good and that he doesn't like the way that the NBA is played now. And it's just weird that he seems to take that personally, but I do like that Kevin Durant, uh, who was never shy about saying something about this stuff either did basically said in response to this, that the old heads need to go enjoy retirement. These boys have coaches that they work with every day. Um, and LeBron also basically said, said that uh, Shaq was soft-hating out here, too, because uh, he's taking shots at LeBron, too. So it's right. just, uh, like, Shaq is just an interesting character, and I feel like more and more people kind of see him as a hater every year, um, and it's just weird. Like, I just feel like it doesn't need to go as far as he takes it a lot of the time. So, I guess, who, who are you putting on blast
0: this week? Oh, well, I, I every week I could put my uh, Houston Texans on blast because the oh, <laughs> my man get cool cow is doubling down on the 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 worst employee of history and he's about to lose Deshaun Watson but but i have to put my man LaFleur on blast for taking the ball out of the MVP's hands and saying i felt like it was the right move and lost it, it didn't give green bay a chance to you know you know win the win the game and get to the super bowl and here's why um, Aaron Rodgers said after the game, you know, obviously it wasn't his decision, but he also said, if I knew that he was going to kick a field goal, I would have called a different play. Essentially, he was like, this dude doesn't know what the hell he's doing. So I would have actually saved his butt if I would have known he was going to make a stupid mistake. And he's like, oh. and so LaFleur uh, said, oh, essentially we have four timeouts with, you know, with a two-minute warning. Well, you haven't been able to stop them. And if they get one first down, it's over. And you got the best quarterback in the league. And you think – and the ultimate um, thing, though, what he says, it, when, when, he, when he said this also, when he said, I wasn't on my game. Well, as a head coach, when you're not on your game in the biggest game of your career, that lets me know you need to be put on blast because not only were you not on your game play calling-wise, that lets me know you weren't on your game all week. So what was – what took you out of your game that you couldn't function – and the highest pressure at home with the best quarterback when actually you should be on your game more because you have a Super Bowl winning quarterback, a guy that's gonna be the MVP that's been in this situation before. And this is the guy you're supposed to be working hand in hand with to go out there and win this championship and bring glory back to Green Bay. And you decide to play some analytics game and try to play PlayStation essentially with real people in real time while you're facing the greatest quarterback of all time and Tom Brady that just went down to Tampa and took the preferable loser to the to the Super Bowl in your house it's the thing I've ever seen before and I got to put him on blast because he's been doing this ever since he came into the Green Bay and these little analytics dudes that come in here to get these jobs off of you know I think when he was in Tennessee their office was just 22nd in the league you know he's a good looking dude so I'll give him that so now he's the head coach and he's coming in here playing computer games uh, in a real life football game and uh, you know and he comes out there, and he now he's messed up the, the whole organization in the sense of now your are superstars thinking about making an exit out of uh, Green Bay, and you got talent up there that could, you know, build a nice little program. And now Green Bay is going to be a laughing stock because the guy that you drafted last year is a project at best and hasn't played football in a year. And now you're going to be going on into the, you know, trying to play against other playoff teams because, because once you win, you know, the, your division, like they did, you're going to have a hard schedule next year. So I am putting him on full blast um, uh, because not only he's going to be the guy that ran Aaron Rodgers out of town, and I'm pretty sure there's going to be a, a 30 for 30 or 60 minutes, how, how the intricacies worked, kind of like when Mike McCarthy left and he, he was up in the hot tub all the time uh, in, in, instead of coaching. Uh, but LaFleur is on his way to being that guy, uh, the trivia question, and I'm definitely putting him on blast because he took a big dump in his pants yesterday as far as coaching.
1: I mean, he definitely did. I think that that is a great place uh to leave it for today. Uh subscribe us, subscribe to this podcast everywhere that you listen to him, raiders and leave us a five-star review. If you leave four, I'm inclined to think you are a major hater like Shaq. Uh make sure that you're checking out the other podcasts on the Hail Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own podcast, Varsity Club, more to it, the Hail Varsity Radio Show, and checking out the Hail Varsity YouTube page. Uh, we do have an email that you can send us notes to at straightupbreakdown at com, And you can get after us on Twitter at GregSmithHB and at Foreman5644. We will catch you next time. And media production.